podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined for some sort of punishment by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? Dismal. Absolutely dismal, Dave. How are you? Well, I had to suffer through Raw yesterday and you didn't. I had to relive the game for the Daily Red and you didn't. So whatever you are, I'm worse. (laughs) I think that goes for every single day, to be honest, in every single way. So there you go. (laughs) Well, I'm not a big J journalist, you see. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't live that hedonistic lifestyle that you do. Uh, tell me this and tell me no more. Am I right? In, uh, my view on yesterday's game is that we were shit. Arsenal were just a little bit less shit and still needed the referee to gift them two massive decisions in their favour. I don't really understand the level of praise that they're getting off the back of that game. Um, uh, to be perfectly honest, as soon as full time whistle went, I shut down everything, and I've not looked at anything since then. So we're recording this the day after. Um, where are we now? Eighteen hours later, something like that. Twenty hours later. So I've not read any reaction whatsoever. My impressions of the game, therefore, are still as they were at full time. So I didn't think Arsenal were outstanding. What I thought was that they, if anything, showed really good. Uh, Ooh, what's the word? It's certainly not courage. It didn't take any courage to play against us yesterday. Um, probably resilience is probably the right word, I think, to after being pegged back twice to go again. But I don't even think that they needed that much encouragement because we were dreadful. We were so, so bad. I don't know what people have been saying or what you guys thought on Raw, but I thought unless we had the ball in their half of the pitch, we were shit. Absolute crap yesterday. Um, it's fine when we're recycling the ball and we have people already set in positions to, to receive passes in their, in their half or in the final third of the pitch or anything like that. But as soon as we don't have the ball or as soon as we're trying to clear our own our defensive third, we haven't got a clue. We have no shape. We have no structure. We have no organisation. We have no capacity to withstand any kind of pressure. It looked like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. For most of the second half, it was like watching a League One side after like 35 minutes of the FA Cup when they scored early on and they're just doing that for the whole game. It was so yeah. bad. It was so, so poor. We had, I'd, I'm not even going to say belief. I'm not going to say ideas. We just had no clue of anything, like not anything at all. I, d- I don't understand how we've decimated this team to such a level that we now spend 30 minutes of the second half hacking and chopping and clearing and booting and just trying to get a toe in with eight defenders in the box. For like half an hour at a time. I, I, it's unfathomable. I don't want to give them too much pressure because I wouldn't like them to think that they're good at what they do. But the under-pressure lads 
have put out um, a really, really good in-depth thread today on Twitter, at AI Under Pressure, for those that don't follow. And um, it basically starts with, you might have heard that LFC have conceded the first goal in a lot of matches recently. Here's why. The performance data when the game is tied is absolutely horrendous comparison with the previous five seasons here. Just to give you some, you know, a broad scope of this, Liverpool's attack is broadly in line with the five previous seasons in terms of shots, XG and shot quality, but there's one glaring exception. An ice-cold con- shot conversion of 5%. 5%! Um, defensive performance. Shots conceded this season versus our worst season under Klopp previously, up 29%. Uh, XG conceded, up 76%. XGA per shot, up 37%. Non-penalty, up 17 uh, Opponent shot conversion is up 106%. Number of times Liverpool conceded a goal when tied in the whole of the 18-19 season, eight. This season, nine. From 17-18 through 21-22, our defence outperformed XG when tied by a combined 18.7 XG. 60 conceded from 78.7 XG. This season, we've conceded nine from 8.03 XG. So there is... An element of bad luck in that, in that teams are finishing against us at what's probably an unsustainable rate. However, there can be no doubt our defence has been criminal. Now, a big part of that is also the fact that they're not getting the protection they need from the midfield. And we saw that on the the first goal. The second goal is also the fault of a midfielder, but he's in a defensive position. But defense, the defense is not doing their individual jobs either, and the penalty is a result of Liverpool having three or four really good opportunities to clear their fucking lines and not doing it. So, yeah, I would suggest taking a look at that. I also saw an interesting thing today. In the first 17 games of Klopp's last season at Dortmund, they went behind 10 times. They conceded the first goal 10 times. That's a little bit of a concerning pattern for this uh, current season. Um, yeah, oh no, it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. And it falls on the manager and the players to get it sorted. Um, how they'll do that, I don't know. But they have to do it quickly because Liverpool have a game coming up. This Wednesday, they face Rangers at Ibrox. in the Champions League. Now, obviously, we beat Rangers last week at Anfield. A Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick and a Mohamed Salah penalty did concern me that we didn't score from open play and I thought that we're back nonsense was a little bit much um, because all the issues that were there before Rangers were just exposed again against Arsenal. But Carl, Liverpool going to Rangers on Wednesday with a once again growing list of injuries uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold forced off with an ankle injury and probably more importantly, Luis Diaz forced off with a knee injury and Klopp said it's something with the knee, not good. He will have a scan and then we will know more. I have no idea about the extent. 
for Trent, he said he twisted the ankle. Not good. Trent never in seven years went off. He could have played on. He was in too much pain. It started started swelling immediately. So we have to see. And bearing in mind, he did play about twenty minutes after the initial contact. You'd you'd really hope he didn't do uh, more damage to the injury. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, obviously speaking from experience and anybody who has twisted an ankle or similar will know that you can sometimes just, it might be a bit painful, but you can keep doing stuff. But as soon as you stop, then you notice it'll stiffen up and it'll swell up and everything like that. So I assume at halftime, that's exactly what happened. Hopefully neither of them are as bad as they could be, but the, the Diaz one, we've seen a few like that previously, even this season with other clubs and that, where they get the sort of knock on the inside of the knee and it's such a painful area. Uh, even if there isn't any you know, ligament or, or tendon damage or anything like that, it's a real soft tissue area as well, um, which can just take ages to heal. So we will have to see. Um, just keep our fingers crossed because I think Diaz in particular, like you say, that's the bigger one because he's one of the few players who's been in pretty good form this season. So we do have alternatives, but maybe not in the exact same way. Um, mm. I suppose since we're, we're on the injuries right now, we've got a question in the uh, in the Discord group, which is from Diego M92, and wondering if we can talk a bit about Fabio Cavallo as the alternative for Diaz, as they might have some similarities in their game. What do you think? Yeah, I think he is probably one of the two options who'll be used in that role. I think it's him or it's Jota. I was really surprised when Jota was taken off on Sunday that it wasn't Carvalho brought on. It made no real sense to bring on Harvey Elliott and stick him out in the left wing. But then, having already stuck Jordan Henderson on the right wing and, you know, not taking him off, taking him off, um, it, nothing Jurgen did yesterday made a whole ton of sense. Um, I do really like the idea of Carvalho on the left in this shape. I think this shape suits him because when he picks the ball up, he's going to have some immediate separation between him and the fullback. He's going to be able to go down the line or cut in field, which is similar to what Diaz does. Uh, He does like to carry the ball, but he also likes to give it, go, get it back, give it again, move again, and link things up really well. So. In terms of the fit for him, that's the that's the best position we could use him in right now, unless we were going to play him off Darwin in a front two. Um, and I think, you know, Jota seemingly prefers playing central, but he can obviously be another good option on the left and is probably the one you'd see Klopp go with for City. I think for Rangers, I do think it will be Fabio Carvalho who starts left wing. Yeah, quite possibly so. I think there's going to be a, obviously an element of of tailing and rotating positions now because we've got so many games. It's not ideal to have lost one of the um, the starters with the matches that we have coming up, even if you take City out of the equation. Uh, just the sheer volume of them, really. We would have wanted to rotate probably one or two every game. Um, I, I mean, I must say, in attacking... In, t- in terms of the attack, I do like us having the two central uh, forwards. I've said this for quite a while. I think Firmino in particular is one of the ones who benefits most from having that extra player beside him to play off. Um, Darwin, definitely the same. He loves to have that little 
ability to run in behind and someone to link with very, very close up. I think we've seen the better parts of his game over the last two matches, and it's not really a coincidence. You know, he's got an extra person to play the little balls into the channel. He's got someone to um, play the little one-twos with or cut back for them. One against Rangers, which didn't work. He got on the end of one against Arsenal, which did work. That's the kind of combination play we would expect to see quite a lot more often while we have the two up front. But then there's so much work to be done on the on the sides of them, I think. It's, it's really, really different playing two wide players, whatever formation you want to describe this as. 4-4-2 like Jürgen or 4-3-1, as some people said. I've seen some people even put it in as United's box formation now from last year, which... It isn't. That's not the starting positions of those wide forwards, but whatever. The the role of those two wider players is not the same as our roles of those wide forwards in the 4-3-3. And at the minute, I think the starting position from people like Salah and Jota, when he went out there, for example, almost is. And a lot of the time, we're like really, really flat four up top and not mm. a lot of movement there. And it's okay if you got Thiago on the ball and he's obviously able to turn and pick passes in between anybody he wants, but some of the time it's not when Henderson's the other one. Some of the times Henderson's done all right with the balls over the top, a little, little lofted pass or the rest of it, but that's maybe one or two occasions in the 90. Really, this needs to be happening five and six times a game. Yeah. Sorry, five I mean, that's six a, times a half even. That's um, it. That's exactly the thing. That, but that's a ball into space. I mean, any decent footballer could play a ball over the top into space. Um, Thiago has that ability to tread, thread the ball into feet between defenders and give our players more of a chance. And that is what we need. But you're right. We need more movement in that front three. I mean, it's funny. You look at the shape yesterday and ostensibly Diaz and Salah, you'd imagine are playing mirrored roles of each other, you know, but we saw Diaz through the middle. We saw him pop up to the right of Darwin. I mean, for Darwin's goal, it's Diaz crossing from the right. We never saw Salah shift across. Is that under instruction? Because I feel like if we gave Salah the same license to roam as Diaz had, and he could come across and pick the ball up in the left half space, burst into the left channel, I think he'd be unstoppable. He'd have defenders on their heels all game long but I don't know Mo just doesn't seem like Mo at the minute and truthfully if we're being honest Mo hasn't been Mo since he came back from the AFCON he's had a couple of really good games here and there but by and large he hasn't been the same since he came back from AFCON and this season Early in the season, we saw him glued to the touchline. And now the the system has changed. And I don't see why his role would be, you stay wide out there, but we're going to let Luis roam wherever he wants. I, I just don't see that that would be something that they would tactically do. Maybe it is. Maybe that is the thing. You stay out here, you're going to be a playmaker. And Lu- Luis is going to get in the areas around the box because he's going to be a more of a goal scorer. But Mo is our best goal scorer. And he, either we're not getting the most out of him or he's just off a little bit or a combination of both. You're not surprised that we've not seen him as one of the two in the centre. Very I really surprised. Am. I really, really am. Even if they want him doing the playmaking role, he can be 
the you know what's been Jota so far basically playing in that slightly yeah. deeper one but running off behind he's superb at that it's basically what he plays because Harvey could do what Moles been doing Harvey could stand out in the right as a right winger that's his position yeah that's probably a bit better fit because it is th- these two wider positions most of the game should more be midfield than forwards let's say you know mm. if, in terms of the movement and where you want them to be picking up possession to to do the jobs that they're doing at the minute. It's not four forwards across one line and then just standing there and waiting for the ball. Well, no, they, it, it shouldn't be. be. No, 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 it it shouldn't be four it forwards. Be. It is. <laughs> it is literally at the minute a 4-2-4, four, four, or if the forwards yeah. push up a bit, a 2-4-4. Four, four, and that's, it's not okay. We've always been about getting ball between the lines. and uh, no, we, we, I'm really surprised Salah's not been given a run, even alongside uh, Darwin, to be honest. But yeah. Maybe now we do see that a little bit more because we're down one option, obviously. Yeah, and you'd hope so. You would really hope so because, like, we don't need to be stuck with this idea that Mo has to play there. Like you said, Mo could play through the middle, and I think he'd be really effective. And then you could play Harvey on the right, which Jurgen clearly wants to get Harvey minutes, and that right-sided role is much more suiting to his skill set than the right side of a front three or a midfield three is ever going to be. Because he'll have more space and separation out there. He'll have the whole pitch opened up in front of him as he cuts in field onto that left foot. And he will have a simpler job defensively as well. Because it's just track your fullback. Don't worry about anything else. You just track that fullback. If he goes, you go. If he stays, you stay. Simple as that. Don't, don't worry about anything else. That is your man. You go where he goes. But make sure he has to go where you're going as well. And that means we could play Jota on the left, Mo and Darwin through the middle, so we get a creator and we still have three goal scorers in the team. And it's just shifted a little bit from the 4-3-3 and everybody knows where everybody should be. It was It was really infuriating yesterday, though, watching us routinely try... Big crossfield switches to Mo, while Tommy Asu just stood in front of him and just picked them off one after another, after another, after another. I don't understand why we weren't just trying to play the ball between Gabriel at left side centre back and Tommy Asu at left back into that little channel for Mo to run onto. Because whenever he got a run on Tommy Asu, Tommy Asu couldn't catch him, and we just didn't do it. And part of it, obviously, is the fact that they were stood in a flat four. So Arsenal's defence were like, well, we know what they're going to do. So we're not getting drawn out. We can hold our line here and stay nice and compact. And Thomas Partey could just sit in front of them and say, right, well, I'm going to block any passing lane that you want. Without that movement, we made it very easy for Arsenal. And yet, we still cut them open a couple of times. Yeah, we did. I think first half, especially, we, we played, like I said, in possession was fine. The recycling was all right, and we were in decent positions, I think, when we had the ball high upfield. But let's be honest, it's not in possession where Liverpool's problems have been this season. It's, oh, goodness me, so, so bad in defence. And I guess we have another opportunity in midweek to try and fix that. We do. So... Let's not spend much time on Rangers because Rangers don't deserve our time. Uh, for those interested, Rangers beat St. Mirren 4 0 at the weekend. Uh, Cholak got two. Uh, t- 
Tavernier scored a penalty and Sakala scored in the 91st minute to wrap things up. The starting 11 for Rangers was Alan McGregor in goal, uh, Tavernier, Goldson, Davies and Barisic, Jack and Lundstrom, uh, Sakala, Arfield and Matondo behind Cholak. I wouldn't be surprised, Carl, if they came, or if, if we went up there on Wednesday and they played the same shape, the 4-2-3-1, which is their kind of primary go-to, and nine of that 11 with Ryan Kent coming in for one of the wingers and um, Glenn Kamara playing as the 10. Yeah, maybe Tillman. Um, oh, the Malik Tillman could play there either, yeah. yeah. But both of them could do the. Neither of them started, so I, I, I do think that probably Broncos regrets not going with the four two three one in the first game. To be perfectly honest, um, it's it's quite a, an aggressive system if you're able to get the the line of three in support, obviously. And I think that they showed late on in the game that they could do that if they were a bit more on the front foot from the start of the game instead of just letting us dominate and trying to hold out. So. Uh, it would be a surprise if they went with the back three again. I think at this point, <clears throat> excuse me, at this point they basically have to realise they've got nothing to lose. You know, obviously they don't want to get absolutely hammered, but at the same time, if they have any ambition of being in the Europa League at all, they need a result in this game, at least a point. So, I think going to try and score their first goal on the group stage and do things like that is probably yeah the approach that's that they a win for them. To take. Yeah, that's a win for them if they can get their first goal. That that alone is a win. Um, for us, we, we know that in the other game, it's Napoli at home to Ajax and Napoli demolished Ajax last time around. And you would probably bet on them to do similar this time around, uh, which means that a win for Liverpool will leave them on nine points, six ahead of Ajax, meaning that one point from the last two games will be enough to put them through. And in in truth, unless we get beaten again by Napoli, which is likely, and then get and then get beaten uh beaten in Amsterdam, we would go through because what you say it's head to head, isn't it, between us and Ajax. Yeah, if so it's we equal could, points. Yeah, we could um, we could lose one nil in Amsterdam and then they would go through because they would have uh, one goal scored away from home, I think. But then hopefully we won't get to that point. No, hopefully not. Um, that wouldn't be good. So, yeah, win here, and then we just need to draw one of the other two games, and we're, we're through. So get the three points. This is the easiest game we have left. Um, it's the easiest, but it's the most important one to win. This, this is of basically your, your, your through pass, isn't it? Yes, it is indeed. Um, so... I think ideally Jurgen would have liked to have done some of the rotation for this game, considering what's on the horizon next weekend. I think he's going to be able to, given the injuries. That's oh, like because Arthur is injured now as well. He's having surgery, and Christ knows when he'll be back. Curtis is back in training. We're not seeing Arthur in a red shirt again, are we? He's gone in January, I bet. He's Ben Davies, isn't he? He's Ben Davies 2.0. He's never going to have actually existed. Um, yeah, Jesus wept. Um, Curtis is back in training, though, so that's that's good news at the very least. 
And Robbo's back in training, but likely not ready for this week, for the, this midweek game. Maybe off the bench for 15 or whatever. Uh, but it's more likely he'll be involved against City. Um, off the back of City, it's not pleasant. It's West Ham, then it's Forest away, then Ajax, then Leeds, then, then Napoli, then Spurs, then Derby, then Southampton, and then we get the international break. So you could argue the last two games are the two easiest ones. Um, and outside of that, Forest away, Forest aren't great, but it's away, it'll be tough enough. Leeds at home is a game we should win. Everything else is, is going to be a chore. Uh, City will be a chore. West Ham will be a chore. Oh, the Ajax and Napoli games will not be enjoyable at all. Um, and the Spurs away game will not be fun. So we need to get this Champions League stuff put to bed, beat Rangers, get the draw with Ajax. And then what? Ha- whatever happens against Napoli is irrelevant. So in this game... I I assume Allison will start. I I don't imagine Jurgen is on you know full meltdown mode. So I assume Allison will start. There is the question of right back though. Do you play Joe Gomez knowing that you need him there against City, or do you potentially give Calvin Ramsey his debut, or <laughs> is or that, is your head about to explode? I'm trying not to allow it to. Or <laughs> do you take the the septic tank option and play James Milner right back against Rangers, knowing that regardless of whether it's Ryan Kent or Robbie Matondo, they are going to rinse him endlessly. Can I? Can I? Before I answer, can I offer you a? A, a dilemma in your skull. Would you take James Milner at right back against Man City if, 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 if I could guarantee you their starting left winger was Grealish? My my concern with that is. Grealish does like to carry the ball. Now, he's not going to run away from Milner because he's not capable of running away from Milner because he can't run away from anybody. But he does dive an awful lot and win a lot of free kicks. And I just wonder by like the 11th time that Milner's brought him down, is that going to be the second jello and off you go? If it was Grealish at left wing, I'd be, I'd be okay with Mil- no, no, I wouldn't be okay. No, what am I saying? <laughs> I would be less furious with Milner right back if it was Grealish left wing. But it's not going to be Grealish. Because what's going to happen is they'll pick Grealish and then we'll put our team sheet out with Milner and then Grealish will get an injury in the warm-up and next thing, Phil Foden will be left wing rinsing Milner like he did at Anfield last year. Because Pep isn't an idiot. Um, you just say to Jackie, look, look, just take one for the team. We gave you a title win a medal last season, despite the fact you were shit. You're still here, despite <laughs> the fact you're not playing well. So just go and sit down and pretend you've got a hamstring injury. I mean, he could start Grealish, Champions League midweek, and then it's just the normal rotation anyway, couldn't he? So 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I must say, in the uh, Manchester derby, Grealish started left side that game, and I think that was the best 45 minutes of football I've seen from him probably since he helped Villa get to the cup final a couple of years back. He was really good, like really, really aggressive, really front foot, taking people on, picking the pass at the right time. And then after half time, it was like complete regression to how he's been since he joined City. It was like two different players basically playing mm. each half of those. It basically summed up what he hasn't done since he went to City and has put a game together, um, which is probably why he doesn't start all the time for them. But there you go. Uh, but I think if he played first half of Man United versus James Milner, we'd still be in all sorts of trouble. Um, which brings us back to... Oh, if to... he plays like that, we're dead. Yeah. If he plays like he normally does, it'll be all right. Yeah. Um, against Rangers, I think I would go for a 60-30 split, regardless of scoreline, and play Gomez and bring on Calvin. Because at some point, we are going to have to be assured that Mr. Ramsey is not a Ben Davies, Artur, Mark three. He actually does exist, and he actually is a footballer. Because, you know, we're, we're still waiting on clarification of that. I know there was a the text written of his name on the bench in a recent fixture, but that doesn't count. So we're going to need to see him at some point. Hopefully Gomez gets 60 minutes, gets a bit of, you know, a tiny bit of rhythm and a bit of um, comfort in surroundings, I suppose, uh, because he's, when he came on against Arsenal, first like five minutes, he got done about five times. He was all at sea. Oh, yeah. God. But then he, I thought he settled in. I thought yeah, he, he did, did really he well played, after that. He played, he played much better after that, but that first five minutes was, was a growing concern for my fingernails. Yes. Let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see him get like a good hour. Nothing which is going to you know overly tax him or any kind of muscle strain or anything like that, but get him settled into the role again. Then he's had, what, 45 minutes and 60 minutes and then hopefully is in place to do a, a very, very energetic 90. Uh, but we are going to need to see Ramsey at some point. Again, even if Gomez does start right back for the foreseeable future, he can't play all of them. It's Joe Gomez. So we're going to need to see Calvin Ramsey play some matches. So hopefully yeah. this is a game that we can use one of those many substitutions we're allowed these times so uh, we can we can split that role a little bit more. Well, the plus for Ramsey is that he has played against Rangers before, um, including a game at Ibrox. So Aberdeen played Rangers three times last season. Uh, he played in two of them. And the first one, he played 74 minutes in a 1-1 draw. That was the game at home. And then he played the last five minutes uh, against Rangers away. Now, it's five minutes, but it is five minutes more experience at that stadium against them than most of Ireland have. Now, Dave, I'm I'm sorry. that is no comparison. That's in a fully functioning team, which can presumably do what the manager is telling them to. True. It's a big big step up to Liverpool. Um. For those wondering, he was coming back from illness. That's why he was on the bench. He missed the first game through a hamstring injury, um, which, you know, a history of hamstring injuries. Not ideal. (laughs) Not ideal. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. I think think you go 60 with Joe. You bring him off and you you wrap him up in cotton wool for City. um, And you you play Ramsey the last half hour. And the reason you're going to need to do this is because Milner's probably starting in midfield, Carl. Um, Costas, I assume, to stay at left back, but maybe Robbo gets 15 off the bench if he's fit enough. Maybe. Uh, centre back. It is time for Ibu. 
to start a game. I thought Matip had a stinker yesterday. And I thought he had a stinker against Brighton. Um, Yeah, I mean, Matip started the season not too badly, to be honest, in comparison to some of the other performers, but he was off it, I think we can say. Although, also, Canate obviously gets a free pass because it was his first minutes of the season. But um, when he came on, I honestly wasn't sure whether he was coming on as a deep-lying central midfielder with uh, instructions to surge forward at every attempt or what, because there was about the first four challenges he went into. He decided he'd seen someone in a red shirt and was going to charge at them, no matter where they were on the pitch. And the two of them were about 25 yards away, and he went for it. (laughs) So that's a man with some pent-up energy after playing enough football this season. That is frustration growing and probably frustration as well at having watched Arsenal players roll around on the ground for the majority of the game pretending to be injured. Um, I think it's I think Joe, Ebu, Verge, Costas is the way to go with the starting back for tomorrow. Um, whether Matip comes back for City, I, I, I don't think he should. Because I think, I think Ebu's a better bet against that cyborg at the weekend. Can we not? Can we not? Give me a few days before we have to start thinking. We will talk about it, but but I'm (laughs) saying I think Ibu needs minutes in his legs before that test, and this is where he gets them. So that's the back four I go with. Um, Now midfield, uh, Fabinho has to start, but I don't think he can start Thiago. I think at some point you just have to say, let's just be careful with this fella. Because he does charge about and throw himself into tackles. His ingre- it's actually crazy how underrated his aggression and ball winning and aerial dual prowess is. He's about 5'4", and he wins every aerial. He's 5'8", or 5'9", but he wins every aerial, whereas the lad who was standing next to him yesterday is 6'1", six six and is absolute poison in the air. Um, Thiago is is just so aggressive that it's little wonder he gets hurt because he just flings himself into everything. So, are you are you suggesting a Milner Fabinho pivot? Uh, no, 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 no! It can't be! It can't be! It can't be! <laughs> I think it has to be. Fabinho, and despite the fact that he was garbage yesterday and was garbage against Brighton and has been garbage for two and a half years now, I think the captain has to start again. I think it has to be Henderson, Fabinho in the two. Because if Jones isn't ready to play, like ready to start, then you've got no options. Naby's injured. You've got to rest Thiago. You've got to have Thiago for City. And Arthur is injured. There's no other option. It has to be Fabinho and Henderson. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we'll go with that. Can't just throw in Stefan, young Steph um, at Ibrox. See, that's the thing. If this game was at home, I would probably say just start the kid. But that is going to be an atmosphere unlike anything some players have seen before. That place will be bouncing and it'll be toxic and it'll be horrible to try and play in. 
So I would say, I would say you start Henderson, um, and you probably bring on Milner after seventy to you know run around. Just bring him on for one of them. Just to just a box check. Then you're um, you're still not on board with Harvey Elliott and the double pivot. No, can't interest you. Absolutely not. <laughs> there is never, ever, ever, ever going to be a time in his career when I'm going to be on board with him in a double pivot or Carvalho. Right. Let's get to the. Um, Shall we keep it as a line of three and a nine? So just so it's clear what yeah. we're talking about. Go on. We know it'll be a flat four yeah. with no movement, but we'll keep it as a three and a one. Yeah, Jonathan Walters right wing to win the head of diagonals. <laughs> right, I'm oh. going to go for Bobby Starton because just because he's in the mood for goals at the minute. Yeah, I'm going to keep Darwin in the team because yeah, it's important. I think we have to keep Salah in the team, so he's in. I don't mind if we change the last one. I think Jota has to start against Man City. So in yeah. the interests of both rotation and preservation and seeing how things happen, I don't mind putting Carvalho on the left side unless you've got any better options. No, Carvalho would, would be left side for me because, like you said, we need Jota against City. Um, I would start Darwin because... He just needs to get minutes under his belt and he scored at the weekend and I want to see him kind of try and build on that. The question I have, I think I think you're right. I think Mo will start. I think that's part of why he was brought off. Uh, yeah, In fact, it, it can be the only reason he was brought off uh, and Henderson was put on the right wing against Arsenal. Otherwise, otherwise Jurgen Klopp must have smoked a massive joint at halftime and been absolutely out of his mind and thought it was hilarious to bring Salah off and stick Henderson right wing. Um, the only question I have is, do you start Bobby or do you start Harvey? And if you start Harvey, play Mo through the middle in that nominal nine and a half ten role and Harvey on the right, because I do wonder if, for the Arsenal game, we might see the return of four three three with with Mo or for for City rather with Mo Bobby and Jota as a front three. Um, I'm not against it. I, I I remain hesitant. I must admit, at starting both Elliot and Carvalho in the same lineup. Um, obviously, this is very very different to them being. Two number eights and a four three three, which was just bizarre. Exactly. But at this point, there's not enough functioning parts of this team to warrant saying no to anything. Basically, so, yeah, that's um, that's the thing. Yeah, like you could sell me right now on Curtis Jones starting anywhere you want. You could you could sell me on Curtis Jones starting at right back, and I'd probably get on board because nothing is working right now. Yeah, nothing. Even it is right an, back. Just fucking rampaging up and down the wing. <laughs> It'd be like that time just... when we saw Martin Skirtle play right back against Sunderland all those years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when Rafa went through that phase of using Martin Kelly at right back? And I think it was against Leon 
he played right back and he got an assist from a cross where he had absolutely no right to get near the ball, but just by being six foot four, he was able to wrap his leg out and round, almost round the fullback and swing across into the box. Ibu would be that with a little bit more panache. Imagine Ibu. <laughs> so I, I've seen, I'm going to run this by you now. I've seen some suggestion that perhaps, given how poor the captain has been, that if Fabinho's not playing, the best option at holding midfield would be Joel Matip. Now, my first reaction was he hasn't played that role in nearly nine years. But is it worse than what we're currently watching from other players? I cannot possibly believe Fabinho out of form is the worst option out of those things. No, no, no. If Fabinho isn't playing, so if he's rested or injured, and it's a choice between number 14, who's now been downgraded, by the way, official announcement, downgraded from Brian to number 14. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If it's number 14 or it's Matip, is Matip really a worse option? I suppose the real answer is we don't know because we haven't seen him there, but I, d- I don't like how Matip moves and turns uh, to be in that role anymore. So I would personally stick with Henderson. But as I say, just like you, pain. You, can, you can try anything at the minute because nothing else is working. But then if you're going to play Matip anyway, why wouldn't you just go to a back three and try that and keep them centre-back? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... I, it wouldn't surprise me if we if we play a back three at some point in the coming weeks. It really wouldn't. But the best part of it will be we'll also have a centre back at right wing back because it'll have to be Gomez because unless Ramsey's fit. Now a back three of Gomez, Canate, Virgil with Ramsey and Robbo or Ramsey and Costas. I'd like to see it. I'd be interested to see it. If we think for against City, for example, if we go three four three, we could have Ramsey right, then Gomez, Canate, Virgil, and Robbo left, and then Fabinho and Thiago, and then left wing Costas, right wing another defensive player from the reserves or whatever. James Milner. James Milner. James Milner right wing, and then the most defensive minded forward that we've got probably Firmino has the forward. You just stick big Joel up front. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, aim, aim. Get it in it. the box to Joel with his yeah. 50 pence head. He won't score, but at least it'll knock, be funny. Knockdowns from Joel, cost us running on, lash it into row H. Imagine the hold-up play from Joel, though. And imagine when all of the decisions, like, you know, when he gets caught offside for the 11th time. There is significant tantrum potential. Like and as we know, a Joel Matip tantrum is better than three points. Like it. That'll do me. (laughs) Three, four, three, nominally. Actually, five, maybe four, (laughs) maybe one, and then nobody in the next two lines further towards Aderson. Yeah, I mean, the the, the centre forward would play on the halfway line, and it'd be a lovely deep block. Yeah, like it. Pep wouldn't know what to do with himself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... I'd back Matip to dribble past Ruben Diaz and score as well. <laughs> yeah, I could see that happening. Unfortunately, I could also see uh, 
Cancelo against James Milner not going the best, not for us anyway. No, but at least it's, you know, at least you've got Ramsey behind him to then, you know, pick up the... the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Ramsey behind him and then Gomez behind him and then they're still getting... Through. And then Haaland <laughs> still there. Um, we'll talk about City later in the week. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you, you, Bobby is the 10 behind Darwin or just off Darwin or Mo just off Darwin with Harvey on the right. I, I don't mind either way. I do think Carvalho should start. Um, I think it has to be Fabinho and Henderson. Unless Jones is fit enough to give you 60, which I doubt. So you could maybe bring him on. Like, if you're doing the, the Ramsey on for Gomez, maybe you make that a double sub and you bring on um, Curtis for one of the midfielders. Um, I mean, the, the funny thing is, if we were playing this as a proper four-two-three-one, Curtis in that number 10 position would be really interesting to see because that is his quote-unquote natural position. And, you know, if he was just told, go and play, go and do your thing and don't worry about, you know, losing the ball. Just go and take risks and try and make things happen. I would like to see that just for even half an hour, just to see how Curtis would look as a 10 with two sat behind him, two wide players and a proper nine in front of him. I'd just be really interested to see it. Um, Right. Give me your prediction, and then I want to talk to you just quickly about something else before we go. Uh, I mean, at the minute, in Europe, we're, we're like we said before the first Rangers game, we can kind of separate it a little bit in terms of, oh my God, we're abysmal in the Premier League, to actually we're nearly job done in the Champions League. So I think it's got to be about getting the players, the dressing room, in a different mindset going into this match. And we should beat them, come on, let's be honest. We're averaging... I think just about 21 shots a game in Champions League matches so far this season. So it's not all bad there, despite that massive hammering that we did get. So I would expect that we do all right and we do enough to win. So I'm going to go for 2-1. I imagine they will score just because, you know, Ibrox, craziness, dreadful Mm. defence, all that kind of stuff put together. But I'm going to go for us 2-1. We've got enough attackers who are doing bits at the minute to make me still confident of winning. Yeah, I'll go for a scabby 2-1 as well. Um, I, I, I do. We should win. There's, there's no excuse not to win here. And as long as Klopp doesn't do something ridiculous like start Milner and Henderson as a double pivot, <laughs> which is is not off the cards, by the way. It's not. Um, I, I think I, I think we should win this game. The only the only way I can see us not winning this is if we concede in the open in five minutes, because you say that place will be bouncing at the start if they score early. Oh, it's going to be, be like an absolute like a, inferno in there. Yeah, it'll be an absolute jungle. Like it'll be crazy. They'll be swinging up behind the goals. It'll be horrible. And they, they I'm just not going to say any more about them because get myself in trouble. They're not a group of people that I like very much. So we will move on. Uh, I yeah, two one. Both of us going two one, and um, that should at least you know as you said, see us almost through uh, out of the group stage. It'll just take one point away to Ajax or one point at home to Napoli, who will be through and and might just send a really, really heavily rotated team to Anfield 
knowing that they're already through as group winners because they should beat Ajax and then they should smack Rangers. So they should have 15 points by that point. They'll be through free and clear. And obviously their their focus will be shifting back towards domestic duty uh, before the World Cup break. So they might send a heavily rotated team, which could obviously help us hugely. Uh, we might get a draw then. Um, Carl, really sad news in the football community today. Uh, Enoch Mwepu has been forced to retire due to a heart condition. Now, you flagged that he had been sick while away on international duty and he'd spent time in hospital. And on his return to Brighton, he has undergone a series of very in-depth testing and scans on his heart. And the outcome is that he has been forced to retire because he was at risk of dying uh, due to, you know, a potentially massive cardiac incident. Um, this is a huge blow because this is this was a really good this is, is a really good player, really intelligent player who I would imagine was on the radar of a number of clubs looking to keep an eye on him over the next six to eighteen months ahead of a potential move. Yeah, definitely. I think even when he was um, still at Salzburg, there was loads of teams who were keen on him. Um, very, very good player. Still, obviously, learning and and growing into being a first team player. But I mean, even you look at the last game that he actually played for Brighton in the end, which was before the international break against Leicester, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Still, someone who is in and out of their team a little bit, but uh, he had a massive future, no, no doubt. He was another one of their buyers, like Caicedo, and like well, loads of players at Brighton. Um, who have been very, very smart additions, very, very long runway for improvement. And like you say, it's obviously very, very sad for him that his career has to come to an end like that. But most important that his life doesn't have to come to an end all of a sudden, obviously. So can't say that it's anything other than the decision that had to be made. Um, but definitely a, a big, big loss for Brighton and unfortunate for him as well and for the national team. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The national team, especially, who you know wouldn't exactly have stars galore. I suppose is the is the fairest way to say it. Like he was sort of one of a, a couple of really big talents that they had that they were banking on uh, for the future, along with you know Pat Sandaka, um, Fashion Sakala. They, they, those were sort of the three real bright lights. All. 24, 25, and, you know, it's a huge blow for Zambia. It's a huge blow for Brighton, like you said. I mean, financially, they'll be okay because they'll have insured him as an asset and they'll have insured his contract, and at least he'll get paid out for his contract. Um, But, I mean, he's lost out on millions and millions of potential earning because... You know, if if he would have gotten that move, you'd imagine he's probably on thirty grand a week there. If he was to move on to even a, a you know a more moderate club like an Aston Villa or an Everton, that wage probably doubles. If he'd gone to a top four team, you could imagine he'd be in the hundred grand a week range. I mean, and that's that's not just life changing money for him. That's life changing money for everybody connected to him, family, friends. You know, we know that a, a lot of the African players give back huge amounts of money to their communities and, and to their nations and try and, you know, build up the infrastructure and things like that. So 
Uh, a lot of people will be affected by this. But the most important thing, like you said, is that this was detected and that they found this and he was able to make this decision and it wasn't made for him. Yeah. He was able to say, right, okay, career over. It wasn't like a thing where, I mean, the worst case scenario, obviously, is a Mark Vivian Foway, but, you know, um, Fabrice Muamba, Christian Eriksen at least has been able to restart his career and and that, but I mean, Moamba was, for all intents and purposes, he was dead for an hour. Yeah. Um, and and no one wants to see any more of these situations. No, and also I think um, probably quite an important thing as well, uh, because it was um, a hereditary uh, disease which they've detected mm. as well. Um, you know, Michael's brother is actually a footballer as well, so I would imagine. Yeah, Francisco. How, yeah, so I imagine how that's obviously something that will be looked at into more depth for him uh, and. Hopefully, obviously, he's okay to carry on playing. But if he's not, then hopefully he would be able to find out about that beforehand as well, before anything occurs. Yeah. Another talented player, he's at Sturm Graz in Austria. In Austria a talented young forward player. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, and look, yeah, there may be other brothers, there may be sisters, there may be other members of the family now who can get checked and detect this. So it may have saved more than one one life. Um, but he he has said he's not finished with football. He wants to stay involved in the game, and there'll be multiple paths for him to do that. If he wants to go into coaching, I think that's absolutely something that Brighton can facilitate, helping him do his badges and and work in the academy. Um, if he wants to become some sort of agent or scout, there's absolutely going to be scope for him to do that as well. If he wants to work in the in the kind of front office and aim towards being a director of football. Again, I think Brighton would be a really good pathway for him. Um, by all accounts, he's, he's very settled there. He's very happy there. So and they're a very smart club. And by all accounts, he's a very smart individual. He's nicknamed, nicknamed the computer. So um, I do think he will, I do think he will have uh, a, a future in the game. It just unfortunately won't be the future he had hoped. And it's even as a Liverpool fan, I mean, we remember the goal he scored at Anfield, an absolute stunner. But he, he said on a couple of occasions that his biggest dream as a player was to play for Liverpool. And um, so you, you do kind of feel that little bit of a, a pull towards any player that professes their love for the club. Um, <laughs> such a shame. Such a shame. Right. Is there anything you wish to plug before we say goodbye? I know um, nothing much will be published at the moment because I'm uh, doing World Cup stuff, so that's not going to be out just yet. Rightio. Well, make sure you do follow Carl at Carl Matchett on social media. Uh, follow Gus Drinkle at Guy Drinkle and uh, follow me at EPL Index. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time. We'll be back later in the week to cry as we discuss Erling Haaland versus this Liverpool defence. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index 
and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.